Um, man, the show is supported in part today by Omeo. Omeo is a travel booking platform. We're talking about traveling. We're talking about leaving your house. We're talking about being with other people in the world. Uh, maybe people who don't even speak the same language as you. Isn't this amazing? Uh, this travel booking platform actually makes planning a journey in Europe and North America both pretty effortless. You just enter your travel details and then uh, Omeo will magically give you all the train, bus, flight, ferry options for your journey. It's like literally not ever been simpler to book uh, a real vacation. Oh man, are you excited? Best of all, uh, using Omeo saves you time and money and that's clearly a win-win. Uh, Omeo wants to help you leave your house this summer by offering 5% off your next booking. Just head to omeo.com, O-M-I-O.com and use the code LISTENER5 at checkout. LISTENER5, valid until June 30th for new users on all modes of transport. And it's uh, clearly just the pick-me-up that 2021 needs. Omeo, plan, book, and love the journey. Terms and conditions apply. Now, let's do some rock and roll bedtime storytelling. Hey, you awake? Yeah. I just want you to know I hate you. So's my dad. Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God! Why don't you tell me a story? How do you sleep at night? I don't want to hang out with a bunch of wannabe corporate sellouts. Here we go. Rock and roll bedtime stories. My name is Brian. And hey, I'm Murdoch. We exist. We we exist as a podcast, not as people. This podcast exists to uh, set set straight the rumor and innuendo you've heard about your favorite bands and your favorite songs. And recently on the show, we talked about the guys in Kiss. And let me tell you, Murdoch had nothing to say because he knows nothing about the guys in Kiss. I have heard nothing about Knights and Satan Service, and I didn't see them with and without the makeup. Uh, so we talked a lot about how those four dudes lean into some assumptions and expectations uh, about people thinking that they were satanic or whatever, right? And they just like went with it. And uh, then they coupled that with makeup and they made themselves larger than life. Now, there is definitely part of being a true rock star that includes and probably necessitates playing a character from time to time, right? Well, yeah, yeah. And and, and it definitely goes with the fandom part of it. Right. If well, it, If it plays into it, right? Yeah, and I was I was talking about this just this evening with my brother about you know at what point do you appreciate the music separate from the show, right? Like where do you like okay I get this but I don't necessarily want to see the music live and Kiss is like one of those things for me, right? Like I I get it and I'm sure it'd be funny. Like I went to see Motley Crue. You and I have a different relationship with Crue. We talk about this on the show all the time, just partly because of our ages. And but Crue was like your gateway drug, man, right? And in retrospect, like they're kind of terrible. I wanted to see them as a cultural artifact, right? So I went to like the farewell tour and I watched the drum thing happen with Tommy Lee and then I left. Like, and, and there's no disrespect to them, but it's like I can enjoy Girls, Girls, Girls or, you know, Shout at the Devil, separate from like necessarily buying into the, the whole showmanship, right? The first two records are classic and they're absolutely, I, I, I say those first two records, I, I stand by those two records and say they're great. White Lion technically kind of technically are a much better band not not kind of technically they definitely are winger a better band than a lot of the the big bands from the 80s in terms of musicianship but that's not all that interesting we probably talked about this on the show before but my famous go-to story is like watching tim reynolds at a actually going to a tim reynolds show and being the most bored i've ever been at a live music venue uh, right and he's and, technically and- very proficient but it's just they're what I am buying into, typically there is there is this odd chemistry and this balance of showmanship and talent. And sometimes you can offset not having all the talent by having a lot of showmanship and vice versa. 
so on this note about showmanship and when you turn it on and off, do you just this has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today, but I'm just curious. Do you think Gene Simmons takes the tongue and the fake blood to the grocery store? Like he's going to buy, you know, cabbage in okra. No. Okay. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, today we're going to talk about when this idea of a character made for the stage starts to seep into a bit of a gray area. Like when there starts to be a question of who exactly is pulling the strings and where do truth and expectation and art and good old American dollar bill, like where do all of those things collide? A lot of times we're having our conversations about music that happened 30 to 40 years ago. We're, we're only going to go back about 20 years today uh we're gonna go back to the beginning of the millennium and for me back to uh, a dank college radio control room um this is this is a state college uh this is a room full of jewel cases equipped with stickers that told us which ones we had to play and which tracks we could not play because of dirty words you remember how they used to have to do that uh we 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 opened up the cases and marked them out with sharpies that's what we did and this is the first time that I ever heard this. When it's time to party, we will party hard. The Andrew I- WK. Andrew WK. The iconic cover with blood running down his face, which we'll talk about in a minute. That is actually his blood, so the lore says. Uh, mixed with butcher shop blood, which is super weird. Uh, wait, tell me about your relationship with Andrew WK. Um, I had that CD because I got it for free. Um, and I remember the cover and I remember that song can't name another song. Okay. Okay. So we're, we're in the, in, like, that's me. That's all I got. Yeah. Somewhat, somewhat similar boat. Right. So I, I do vividly remember this being next to a bunch of like weird, stuff that I would refer to as like blippity bloop college music. You know what I mean? Like at the beginning of the 2000s where everything was like, you know, like I'm trying to think of bands from that time period, but he had a dirty t-shirt, right? Yeah. So the, the clothes are dirty, but he wears all white, but they're, it's like scuffed up and there's like long yeah. hair. There's just, there's a whole aesthetic. We got tipped off about this story from a friend of the show who asked if we'd ever heard about this, about there being this like controversy surrounding Andrew WK. And I'm going to admit that I hadn't, uh, my kind of relationship with him is about what you just described, right? I've always been aware of him. Um, I've, I've noticed that he has continued to pop up in different things and in different venues in terms of entertainment spaces like TV and, and uh, other things over the years. Um, but once I dug into this man, I got overwhelmed because there is, I mean, I think we have to call it a conspiracy theory and this is not new. It's been percolating at different strengths on and off for like most of the time he's been a person of note. And I will just state as plainly as possible what we're trying to address. But I'm going to ask you, do you know anything about a conspiracy around Andrew WK? I know nothing. So we're going to explore this question. Is Andrew WK as we know, quote unquote him, is he an actual person or is he a manufactured character played by an actor and created as a business proposition by Nirvana and Foo Fighters legend Dave Grohl? Oh, man. This is really one hell of a question. Like, it, when I ask that question out loud, what's your reaction? I mean, I want to say it's total garbage, like total crap. It, like it does seem totally ludicrous. Crap. It does seem ludicrous. I won't lie. But strap in and let's go all the way back to the late 90s and early 2000s and examine what we think we know. Welcome, Andrew 
the line we've been fed for like the last 20 years is that Andrew WK is a guy named, known as Andrew Fetterly Wilkes Cryer. He was born in May of 79. He was raised in Michigan. He studied piano. He loved to go to church. He starts a band when he's 14. He spends his entire adolescence in the Detroit area punk scene, and then he moves to NYC in 98. While he's there, he holds a bunch of weird jobs, including as a bubble a bubblegum machine repairman, which I, just seems like something they made up for the I, bio. That sounds so made up. <laughs> well, that's par for the course. Eventually, he is able to score some slots. Uh, playing music. He guests on a Wolf Eyes song. This is like the first time he's ever credited as Andrew WK is, is a guest spot on a Wolf Eyes song. He puts out an EP on a small label and people kind of start to take note. And what they notice is this phenomenon that I want to see if you remember from when he broke. Um, it, it's this idea that, like, I don't remember if, I don't know if you remember having conversations about him, but but because I encountered him in a college radio station, I do. And I remember that basically the conversation was, dude, this shit is so dumb, it's smart. Like, do you remember that action? Do, do people ever kind of, that was kind of the critical reception of him. Yeah, it was like rock EDM, stupid and brilliant. So in this period, WK starts sending out demos and he starts sending out handwritten letters. And the story goes that one day, one of these, in fact, reaches the hands and ears of Dave Grohl. And this leads Grohl to invite Andrew WK to open for him in San Francisco. Pretty quickly, he gets a deal with Island Def Jam. And I actually read a story that he signed, like the story, again, now, again, I'm just telling you, these are the things we think we know, right? And this is kind of the, the story we've been told. So the story also goes that he signed, like Island Def Jam was the first label to offer him anything. And he just like took it. And then he takes the photo that becomes iconic, in which, again, the lore says he hit himself with a brick in the face to get his nose to bleed, and then supplemented the actual blood with animal blood that he bought at a butcher shop. Yeah, that's gross. So uh, that's the aesthetic, though. Andrew WK is here to rock no matter what, and simultaneously and unironically pay tribute to the greats, man. Judas Priest, ACDC, like frickin' Sparks, right? It's this weird rock homage in tribute, and yet also, like, kind of original gambit partly maybe even mostly because it seems oddly earnest especially given how flamboyant it was right like he seems into it like iggy pop into it yeah 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 yeah. so things are going pretty well andrew pulls out this second album but in 04 that's when the trouble starts and it starts with this entity who calls himself or herself or itself steve mike st E-E-V, space, okay. M-I-K-E. And so here I'm going to rely on the author of a Reddit thread that did a lot of organizing of this story a few years ago. So this Reddit thread's about three years old, and uh, it's in the show notes. So some of this here is not original with me. It's it's now coming from the, their... Um, Internets. Well, yeah, and it's coming from this one particular guy. Like, this post is under the Unresolved Mysteries section, which I was not familiar with until researching this, which is very interesting. And he said, basically, like, there's been a lot of talk about this for years, and several people have reached out in different forms I've been in or whatever. I guess he's known as the guy who talks about this all the time, and he's like, they wanted... Somebody wanted to see can we get this all in one place? So I made this Reddit post. So that's where this comes from. So nobody knows, according to this Reddit post, nobody knows who Steve Mike is, but he's very loud, very angry, and he thinks Andrew WK is a fake. 
a phony, maybe even something worse. And he is apparently behind a hack on Andrew's website, which I couldn't find a lot more information about. And he visits forums and music websites across the net, basically talking about how he doesn't like Andrew WK. And, how, and his basic claim is just Andrew WK is fake. Now, what does that mean? Now, Steve Mike really hits a nerve, not just for Andrew, but for a lot of people who, who kind of had doubts about this. Because, like, again, I'm interested in your reaction. What was I? We, we said a lot of people said this is so dumb, it's brilliant. What did you really think about it? Um, I was dismissive of it. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there plenty yeah. of people are dismissive of it, right? They're like, this is the crazy party guy. This is the guy. But they start to go, you know, it does seem a little weird. It does seem a little weird that this is the year 2000 and this guy is on TRL with Britney and NSYNC. Yes. And they're like, isn't his music a little too polished for a dumpster diving rock and roll caveman? Like, this is just strange. So as Steve Mike continued his assault, Andrew gets squirrely. And he there's this period where he starts leaving rambling messages about identity and about people from his past on his website and in interviews. And now remember, this is like early internet-ish, right? I mean, we had the internet, but it wasn't just ubiquitous and in our hands all the time, right? With our phones. Yeah. Right. He eventually, quote unquote, explains what's going on in a post on his website, but it makes like very little sense. Exhibit A, here's a quote from it. Quote, I am this, period. The me, period. I can't believe me, period. Anyway, soon I start finding them, period. Like what the, I don't, this makes no sense. Uh, so what makes this even weirder is that the more you unravel it, the name Steve Mike seems to be associated with Andrew WK himself. And in these ramblings on the internet, he even types this at one point. He says, quote, in all caps, please don't believe Steve Mike. I used to call myself Steve Mike a long time ago, and it's nothing now. And then in regular text, someone is trying to confuse you and make me look bad. So I don't know if you're as confused as me at this story, because like at this point, it's just like, what in the world? So let me just distill all this into a basic claim. Here's the claim. The claim is that there is no real Andrew W.K., He is a construct built to sell records, tickets, and consumer goods. He's designed to create a fan base that can be marketed to. So, there was an original Andrew, but when he wanted control over the music on the third album, the keepers of the brand wanted him gone. So in 2004, they hire an actor to replace him, and he famously takes over at a concert in New Jersey, which has gone down in history as being a disastrous concert. Now, this is where you get comparison photos. So, like, I'm saying this as if I believe it, but this is kind of the, the, the internet theory that's out there. And people, when they're into this theory, start showing photos, comparing pre and post 2004 Andrew WK and saying that it's not the same person. Honestly, it's only because, like, in post 04, he's thinner and has less facial hair. But if we're really going to follow the story... The idea is that years later, maybe like 2011, folks who follow this theory, th- this theory say that Andrew WK came back onto the scene looking much more like his original self, notably heavier and bearded again. Like that's really been the main difference. And Andrew 3 supposedly matches up with Andrew 1, the original Andrew. But when he shows back up, this guy isn't just doing music now. Okay, so this is the part where I'm telling you, like, all of a sudden I remember him registering on my radar in different places other than, like, college radio. Uh, We haven't talked about this yet, but he starts doing speaking gigs. 
in like promoting positive attitude and outlook and hosting TV shows. He had a show on the Cartoon Network that wasn't a cartoon. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes, I do. I forgot all about that. I, I never watched it, but I, I, I certainly do because it was Adult Swimish. Yeah. Right? Was, there was like a, was a random, yeah, there was a random period where I had, no, it was like, and it was like almost for kids. Like there was a random period where I had a free cable service through my phone provider or something is like a promotion. Um, and I hadn't had cable for years. This was probably like 15 or 16. And I was like flipping through one day, just like, Oh man, look at all this stuff. I didn't know existed out on cable. And there's an Andrew WK show where he's like smashing things with children. Like it was, it was very strange. I don't, I don't even remember what it's called. Um, eventually he, he like, I don't know if you know this, he's now engaged to Kat Dennings which we need to just acknowledge out loud. Her ex is Josh Groban. So that seems like a weird rebound move, like where you're really, really overcompensating. You go from Josh Groban to Andrew WK. It's like, if I was going to chart those two guys, they'd be on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. So Paul's check. How are you feeling about all this? I'm confused as shit, man. Okay. Initially, like I, I didn't want to get weird on you and be like, you know, does he have a... You know, is this weird? Is that he have a does he have a multiple personality disorder or? But that's a good one. The, that theory actually isn't out there. I've not heard that theory. I kind of like it. Is it is it multiple personalities? This is me being an armchair psychologist, which, by the way, is a, is a stupid idea for any <laughs> armchair quarterback is just an old man move. An armchair psychologist or psychiatrist is a terrible terrible position to try to pretend to have. So I think it's a borderline personality disorder, Brian. I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's it seems it it seems squirrely. Definitely, it's hard to even talk about, right? It's hard to explain what anybody thinks is anybody like. It's, and you get down these internet wormholes, man. I mean, like I said, the magic word, right? Reddit, like down a, down a Reddit hole, it's just chaos, and you start to get into the comments, and people start saying weird stuff, and it's just it, like it's crazy. So, what the hell actually happened? No one really knows. Okay, and back to okay. the back to the kiss analogy up top. You remember in that recent episode, we talked about how Gene Simmons made the marketing decision to just like lean into people's assumptions at a certain point he just was like okay if you're gonna think this because i said something stupid in an interview about wanting wondering what human flesh tasted like i'm just gonna like lean into it um yeah i remember i remember in an interview this is nothing being creepy but well yeah it is uh some he was on oprah and some lady asked him how long his tongue was and he said long enough to make you my best friend oh oh gene right right and see on at oprah? the time like the whole audience is like, oh my gosh. And like now it, it doesn't ring well at all. No, you know, no. Uh, right? So no, no one, everyone kind of wonders. Oh, I'll say everyone. I kind of wonder if at a certain point, Andrew WK is just like playing along. Right. So I found an article from 2010 announcing he was doing a club appearance that was going to be a Q and a to address these rumors which that in itself is strange. So he like books a club and he's not playing music. He's just like, I'm here to do a Q&A. And at this event, WK denies various theories accusing him of being a fake entity, declaring himself to be, quote, a real person who thinks for himself and, quote, not the victim of anyone or a group of people trying to influence my career or life. That seems like that's very specific. Uh, Plausible and, deniability. And it's just so weird. And, and, and the later, he reaffirms himself as, quote, the same Andrew WK that has been here from the beginning, which is also a weird thing to say. Now, at this point, this all just sounds like freaking garbage I made up. But I, I'm about to give you this, which is this made it all the way to Larry King. Okay? 
which th- this was the point where I was like, oh, geez. Larry King has so we're just gonna we're just gonna sit back and listen to this three minutes of Larry King. Okay. Before we get Ready. into some other topics, we announced you were gonna be here. We got a multitude of blogs and websites dedicated to saying you're a fraud. There are a variety of theories regarding your identity, many claiming that you're no longer the same Andrew WK that somehow in middle of the year two thousand five the original Andrew W.K. went somewhere and a new Andrew W.K., that you're not the same person you were. How do you respond to all of this, which is a mystery to me? Well, I was, well, I guess I'm always dreading someone asking about this and uh, especially someone of your stature, but I'm glad in a way as well. Uh, I think these sorts of things, first of all, to anyone who's not familiar with me, why does it even matter? And it really doesn't, even if you are familiar with me, because what I hope people take away from me doesn't have to do with whether I even exist or not. For example, this is how I've thought about it, to try to make myself feel better about these accusations. If you don't believe that Santa Claus exists, it doesn't mean that the joy that you would receive from the idea of Santa is any less valid. But how did all this start? Why did they think that you are not the original you? For better or worse, there, some of this is based on some bits of truth or facts, rather, and just in, in terms of... Well, I've said some things that have, would lead people to these sorts of conclusions that I'm not proud of, having said, and decisions that I've made who to work with. So you created part of the problem. I added to it at one point, thinking that sort of by accepting it, it would deflect it. I one ignored person it. who could answer it and end it all would be your father. All he has to do is say, this is my son who I raised, and he's Andrew W.K. That's a very good idea, and I only so wish... So why doesn't had... he just step forward and end all those blogs and rumors and... Because he's probably in the restroom right now. Otherwise, we could get him on satellite, and, uh, and he could clear all this up. Why hasn't he done it? Well, probably doesn't want to have anything to do with a lot of this side of my work, which is best just mm-hmm. ignored. Not that you shouldn't have asked about it. I think it has to do with doubt, which is a healthy instinct a healthy questioning so you like this instinct i like this actually helps your persona (laughs) no wait a minute this is a good uh, gimmick that's very kind of you to to interpret think about this you create an aura that people even think you're not that's a great gimmick well that's i've got it Whatever way you want to take it you that makes it. you think that That's I'm your cool. party. If I've impressed you, then I have succeeded at something. I'm told to ask you. I have no idea what this means. Who is Steve Mike? That is the name of a group of people that helped me in my early stages, and I still work with some of them. They're a group? Yes, they, they go by a collective name. Steve Mike. Sounds like one person. It does, and it's a very bizarre and maybe a bit clumsy of a name, but this was their choice. And there are numerous fan pages saying you're a member of organizations like Illuminati, the Italian, the Freemasons, the Church of Scientology. Any of that true? I am not a member of any of those formally, no. I'm so confused by Andrew LBK as a person in this interview. Uh, it does not clear up any of our questions. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, specifically, it's specifically meant to, to deflect everything. It's specifically meant to make it more confusing, which we'll get to what my theory is, right? Because I'm going to ask you, and then I will tell you what I think all of this basically ends up being. But as I alluded to up top, there is a theory that has been floated that Andrew WK is the result of Dave Grohl attempting to create the perfect musician, um, which I I find that one compelling. I don't necessarily believe it. 
I find it interesting because I do think if there is one person who might say, hey, let's run this little experiment and see if we can manufacture what people think of as a rock star. Like I could see Dave Grohl doing that, right? Like as an academic exercise, like, I don't know. I I wouldn't hold it against him. Uh, another theory is that the individuals behind Steve Mike, like had a falling out over the different musical direction mm-hmm. that Andrew began to take with the wolf, which I guess is his third record. But to distill this down to something we can wrap our heads around, I will borrow some ideas from this thorough Redditor. Today's episode is brought to you by Omeo travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America effortless. You're getting out of your house. You're getting out of your house. Uh, Omeo can make it really easy for you um, by offering 5% off your next booking. Just head to omeo.com and use the code listener five at checkout. It's valid until the 30th of June for new users on all modes of transport. All you have to do is enter your travel details and Omeo will magically give you all the train bus flight and ferry options for your journey. It's that easy. Omeo plan, book, and love the journey. Terms and conditions apply. To distill this down to something we can wrap our heads around, I will borrow some ideas from this thorough Redditor. And he explains the theory like this, which I do think kind of makes sense. His theory is, Andrew Wilkes Cryer wanted to make music that combined his classical chops, because I told you he was very good at piano, with the Detroit punk and metal that he loved. He knew his brand of rock wasn't going to get play without help. His dad, who is sort of a perif- uh, character on the peripheral of all of this, uh, if you if you do research, and Larry King alludes to that, he's a lawyer, and he specializes in contracts. That is true. And so in this theory, Andrew's dad decides to help him out with the promotion, and they start a brand that they, they call Andrew WK, right? Like kind of separate from the person. The brand team expands to include a few other trusted individuals, and most likely an ace music producer. And some people think that person is Grohl uh, because this person could help him craft songs and would retain rights to music produced by the brand. The group of individuals took the name Steve Mike. Now this all lines up with what he says on Larry King. They absolutely kill it selling the brand. Andrew's idea was molded, workshop, delivered to our doorsteps with enough self-deprecation to get on MTV, but still appear to the alternative kids who would actually want the album as somewhat genuine. But then the Steve Mike group has some sort of breakdown between I Get Wet and The Wolf, the latter of which seems to show Andrew taking more control over what was happening around him. So again, this is just part of the theory. There's a strong possibility that the first Andrew walks away And the group then needs someone new to portray Andrew, so they hire an actor. There's also some evidence that Steve Mike, who broke with Andrew, is actually his dad. Like, Steve Mike is a pseudonym for his dad, right? So I said his dad is kind of on on the edge of this. We can't say for sure, but between early website explanation and Andrew's evasiveness about his dad in, in that Larry King interview, there could be a family issue at the heart of this. Now, this theory goes on to say... Later, that first Andrew WK takes over again, and either the Steve Mike Collective is starting to operate smoothly again, or Andrew has complete control. And along the way, Andrew WK, the brand, has become synonymous with positivity, hope, kindness, and manic energy. Um, When pressed about the conspiracy, as he is in that Larry King interview, he's a lot more direct, but he still won't really say what happened. Whether this is because of a legal agreement or a perception that he's a goner if it ever came out that his fame was a result of a cynical marketing ploy, we can't be sure. So, more digging found this highly reliable Weebly.com site. It's literally, oh, Weebly. remember Weebly? 
I found this. So, so that's all what I just read you is mostly from that Reddit thread. But I did find this other site and this other site. And, you know, Larry King says in that clip about like there's all these sites, right? There's all these weird little websites that have popped up. And this is from one of those that I think is from, from quite a while ago and is still around. And I, this is also in the show notes. Andrew WK is Steve Mike and vice versa. The whole Steve Mike created Andrew concept, the website hacking, the actor angle, the Andrew WK incorporated company. All of it was designed and orchestrated by Andrew's management company as part of some sort of plan to make it look like a blackmail plot or to play it off as an advertising based bit of a social experiment in a way to keep the Andrew WK fan base distracted during his still unexplained absence from the spotlight during the initial 2005 meltdown. This is unclear to me. I get, I follow that for a while and then it gets weird. Andrew WK was not fired by Steve Mike. The wealth of information available with quote evidence to the contrary proves that 35 to 45% of all Andrew WK legend was pre-written and planted in the correct places. The rest of it simply boils down to overzealous fans coming up with their own scenarios and passing them along to other fans. Andrew has admitted to this in a 2009 interview. After passing those scenarios along, Andrew said that some fans have had a tendency to give the rumors, which started years ago, a never-ending life of their own, which unfortunately is exactly what was hoped for by all those involved with Andrew's management company and possibly everyone else that was in this whole saga with him. Now, to boil that down, there's kind of two theories. One is that there was some stuff that happened and, and maybe they did have to move Andrew in and out and he's an entertainment brand. And the other one is that this was all a marketing ploy from the very beginning. That's the Weebly.com uh, theory, as we will call it. That one seems believable to me. And it seems believable to me partly because uh, the, a lot of this was really out there the information around it stops around 2015. Um, but then in 2019, a series of handwritten notebooks surface that supposedly are found and held by a previous roommate after he left them behind in a move. Oh my God, this is some crazy stuff, man. And they're said to be written between 98 and 2001, which is when WK first arrived in NYC. The journals detail plans for creating this persona. The mission and creative journey that he planned to follow throughout his career. And they even contain plans for his own backstory, including how to write, what to wear and how to act in public. Um, there are many suspicious rambling notes, drawings and old photos that correspond to events that have actually played out in his career. Questions have been raised about the origins of these journals, such as if they were actually created by WK in the time periods noted, or if they were made more recently to build more mystique mm. and folklore around the artist. So what does he say about all this? I mean, you heard him on Larry King, right? And if you watch that, so I've watched it several times, I'll admit. And every time I watch it, I start to think more that he very much is is a pretty good actor. Well, what does his body language say? Because you watched it. Yeah, he seems very, um, like, you got to go watch it in the show notes. But, like, at first I watched it and I was like, he's upset. And then the more I watch it, I'm like, he's acting upset, but I don't know that he's actually upset. It just, I, I think he might be a pretty good actor. Now, he's been known to troll and revel in theories about being an industry puppet. Uh, in several of his videos, he's made references to these theories. Like, he's he's made little Easter egg things where different 
aspects and, and names of the corporate entity that's supposed to be controlling him and all that are like actually used. Um, Steve Mike is actually named as the director uh, in the I'm in Heaven video. Um, and okay. there are there are pseudonyms. There, there's all sorts of suspicious, weird stuff that he's clearly like added in. And he's been using his Instagram stories in particular to play into a lot of his own theories, which all seem to stem from a book by Aleister Crowley. Yeah. So, right. I mean, no one asked me, but do you want to know my opinion on this whole thing? I, 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 yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really. I'd like to hear your your judgment on all this. I, th- I think it's it. all a marketing ploy he made up. What do you think? I, I have a I have a question instead of an answer. Okay, uh, I'm going to do that thing. I don't know if that's a politician way of doing something. I'm reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. Recla- um, <laughs> you are you about to filibuster me? Don't filibuster um, me. So the uh, man, I wonder how that's going to sound in 20 years. Um, so if, if it's a marketing ploy, why was it such a bad one? Like, why is he not a household name? And why did he? Why did he not like? Why was after he was on TRL in the like with Carson Daly and all that? Like, why did that peter out? Why didn't he have hit singles? Why wasn't he like? I don't get it. And and the the Dave Grohl thing doesn't fly for me at all because it's like. I don't think Dave Grohl will be involved in something just so bull crappy, bullshitty like this. But so I don't understand. It's not that I I have an opinion because it's hard for me to have one. This is such a bizarre, crazy story. Like, thanks for bringing this to the show. Um, <laughs> I feel like this is I, not your favorite episode. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's 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 fascinating. It's fascinating because I've never heard it before. Yeah, well, I've never I, heard so these when it when we were tipped off to it, I was like, the, how have I not heard this? Is this like a new thing? It's not a new thing at all, and it does live pretty aggressively in certain corners of the internet. And I would say to your point about like, why is he not a big her name yes but also given what he does in the or maybe lack of what he does he is a he's a big name like yeah no my mom doesn't know who he is but like he's got a lot of followers who have followed him from pre kind of internet uh celebrity lifestyle into celebrity lifestyle where he's got an active Twitter account and he's got a girlfriend who's a very famous actress who's part of the Marvel universe who tweets about being in love with him and talks about him all the time on her Instagram feed and like promotes his albums and stuff. So I, you know, it's, it it is crazy. Um, but it's not the first time something like this has existed in the artistic world. I mean, in, in my research, someone actually referred to this whole thing as the quote millennial Paul is dead, which I do find funny. I, I meant to, I didn't want to interrupt you earlier, but I was going to be like, this is like, it, it, you know, this is a little Andy Kaufman-esque. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 for sure. A, a lot of it. You know, it's a lot of it with the, the. it's hard to throw the Andy Kaufman wrestling thing in here and, and do all that. But like, you know, it's like what was real and what was not. And like, you know, those poor people at the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, like, you know, a lot of those people didn't know any of that was fake. You know, they they thought they thought, well, you know, man, we kind of know this is all fake. But this stuff with Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman, well, this is real. Well, you could take it all the way back. They to, were they were friends. <laughs> you could take it back to War of the Worlds. You know, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, there there is a certain artistic license with how do we what what is real and what is not, and how do we kind of pull the wool over people's eyes for the purpose of entertainment, et cetera. But it reminds me of a couple other things too. First, Larry the Cable Guy, right? All an act. I didn't know that for years. Oh, yeah. You ever heard him really talk? Yeah, right? Um, second, I, I, this may be its own episode, but Rick Ross? Do you know that story? 
I know nothing about what I'm about to hear. No. Rick Ross got sued by the actual Rick Ross for pretending to be Rick Ross. Oh, no, no. I didn't know this. Yeah, so that's uh, amazing. And I, I'm just going to leave it there because I, I, in my research, I was like, do we just make Rick Ross an episode? Uh, but the story that might remind me the most is of J.T. Leroy. Do you know the J.T. Leroy story? Oh man, it's, uh, you have to rattle my cage here a little bit. Uh, it's 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 sort of familiar the name, but I don't know. So go, in, go for in it. In high school, someone showed me, or I stumbled across this book called "The Heart Is Deceitful Above All Things" by J.T. Leroy. And Leroy was presented as the author of three books of fiction, which were purportedly fiction, but semi-autobiographical accounts of a teenage boy and his experiences of poverty, drug use, and emotional and sexual abuse in his childhood, right? Real good, great stuff to be reading during computer class in high school. Um, It was wild to me at the time, right? And there was also celeb culture around it. So celebrities got into JT Leroy, and famous musicians were like showing up and performing at his readings. Like, is this ringing a bell? I got it now, man. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it came out later that JT Leroy didn't exist. It was actually like a coping mechanism used in therapy, from this woman named Laura Albert. And, she, yes. and and when she started writing, so the therapist tells her like, well, you should write some of this down or whatever. And so she ends up like writing as this character called Terminator or, or Jeremiah Terminator Leroy. She creates this character and like when it starts to kind of take off, she ends up hiring her sibling-in-law to publicly appear as this character. And this goes on for years. Now, there have been several documentaries about this and even a movie that no one saw, like only in the last three years with Kristen Stewart and Laura Dern. I've not watched it, but I'm kind of well. And and that to me is the closest comparison I can think of to this Andrew W.K. story. Right. Kind of, though. I don't think that's what this is. I do. I after spending a lot of time over the last several days reading about this and diving down a wormhole. I just think it's Andrew WK screwing with the world. And I mean, honestly, I have a little bit of respect for him if that's what it is. If this is all just like there is barely a great, it, it's entirely made up. And they're like, hey, this is, we'll get people really worked up about this and we'll say that you're a total fake and you can just like be uncomfortable in interviews and it'll, it'll add to the lore. Like it makes sense when you put it next to a guy who gets hit with a brick on his album cover. You know what I mean? Like that all meshes to me that this is all just some giant troll that's been going on for almost two decades. Like I get that. But if there is some grain of truth to it and they are actually inventing a brand of a person, then the JT Leroy thing, there's precedence, right? It's happened before. That's a legitimate thing that happened and went on for a long time. And it's fast. There's like two Netflix documentaries about it. Yeah. And people got duped with that too. Did, I wonder, did uh, did Andrew WK make money? Like, I mean, he didn't like he didn't sell a ton of records, but did he? I wonder if he. I mean, like, I wonder if he has mailbox money. If he like, because you know, when you're like, he booked a club show to do the Q and A. It's like, well, he. It, but you know, also he's also well known enough. It, like, it, it, at least for you and I, in our circles. That if there was a music festival that was announced in Chicago or whatever, like a big thing this summer, that like, 
if they threw him on like, you know, five people, five or six people down from the headliner, right, it right. would work. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was, that's so funny that that's what you said. Cause I was about to say that exact thing is that he's still like you. the fourth or fifth build person on a, on a yeah. big rock music festival. If he played the riot fest in Chicago, or if he played louder than life in Louisville, or if he played uh, the rock show in Columbus, the big one, like he would be, he would be in the, the mids, not the small font, and not yeah, the, be the bigger font. He'd be it's in so the bigger funny. font. It's so weird. We think like, yeah, it's really interesting. And and with like a hit. I but, mean, but that's not. I mean, it's how you quantify hits. It, you know, it's an interesting thing too because he came uh, uh, into this uh, arena right when all of that was changing. Like he literally came out the year of Napster ish, right? Like ninety nine, yeah. two thousand. So, so he is kind of at that turning point, and and he's right at the point where you could create a pretty large fan base and still remain not a household name. Like he's right at the end of the nineties, where you know you had to have the record mechanism behind you in the machine. Uh, you know, there is if you wanted to really indulge yourself in this theory and in this weirdness, you could say that he. Is there an experience, Dave Grohl or whoever else says, could we actually pull this? Like, could we actually, in the in the age of, of Napster, could we create a character and feed him into the algorithm, right? Or the pre-algorithm and get enough kids to follow this idea of a person? Like, I, you could almost sell it to me because of the time period. Yeah, and think about how it, this type of idea has been manufactured before with the monkeys, which yeah, weren't like yeah, you know, great and point. When people when people are like, I love the monkeys. It's like really, um, bro. I totally know. went to see the monkeys reunion tour in the '90s with my dad at um, the old Cardinal Stadium, and it was dope. Uh, yeah, I like Valerie. I like that song, but I, I could I can pass on all the rest of it. Hey, can but, I can I make a quick plug for something you don't want to talk about, which is clearly the monkeys, uh, which is that yeah. there was an album in 2016 they put out where they had a bunch of indie rock songwriters write the songs and then they sang I, them. I had to play at least one of those songs on the radio. There is a song called Mia Magdalena that was written by Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie. And I had to play it on the radio. It's yep. so good. I love that yeah. song. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Um, it's so funny that you mentioned the song that I'm familiar with off of the one thing of the band that I don't like. Um, <laughs> so weird. And then we talk about the font, the size of the font that Andrew WK would use if he was on a festival. Um, yeah, but if you really think about it, um, like we, we've had, you know, we talk about Janie Lane from Warrant. Like they tried to manufacture, they tried to manufacture that band bigger than life by making that cherry pie video. Like, yeah. Um, you know, there's there's things where things haven't been to where there's someone in a boardroom who doesn't think that the art is enough and then they want to manufacture something that will throw someone over the top. You know? Yeah, let's, let's I mean, do, let's let's get hey, uh, hey, let's let's get Eddie Van Halen to play on this song, Michael. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. The, there's it's not a it's that's not a manufactured thing, but it's like, well, think about what you're doing you're you're combining this thing was limp biscuit manufactured in a laboratory i hope not but um they were manufactured in florida let's let's be honest <laughs> that is a laboratory That's, i mean and okay. this is what i was saying at the top right it's the idea of a character made for the stage seeping into a gray area 
And when there starts to be a question of who is pulling the strings and where do truth, expectation, art, and the good old American dollar bill collide? And, and you're yeah, right. You've pointed out that this there is precedence for this and there are variations of this. And, and maybe in every, in every sort of capitalistic, money-driven you know, intersection of art and commerce, there's always going to be a little bit of this, right? It's just called marketing. But sometimes marketing goes completely haywire. Yeah, man. Well, this is brilliant, dude. I love it. Like a couple of minutes ago, you're like, you don't like this episode. I was like, ah, I, think I don't know. If, maybe it's, it's my body language. It's, you're a, not it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. Like, it's just, it's, yeah. it, and it's, it's, it's very it's, confusing. It's misdirection. I'm just going to tell you, too, as anyone listening, the, be careful, because if you go to the show notes and you start reading this stuff, say goodbye to like at least two days of your life, because it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, and there's a lot of directions. If you want to get involved in the show, though, or if you want to comment on this, or if you know something about this, or if you're Andrew WK and you want to come on and just talk about your discography, I'm totally down with that. You can just email I, the show, wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. And uh, you can check out uh, the other stuff we do at wearethestoryguys.com, our website. We love you. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for tipping us off to stuff like this. Continue to uh, send us these sorts of things, and we'll fall down these rabbit holes together. Yeah. Everybody party hard and keep telling stories. Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is a Story Guys production. The show is produced and edited by Brian Eichenberger. Get more stories, hear more podcasts, and book the guys for your conference or house party at wearethestoryguys.com. Copyright Boy Have We Got Stories Productions. All rights reserved.